You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Prayer, again. I'm glad I'm not speaking. I've used about everything I know. I mean, I've, everything, when you do four talks in a row on one subject, you run out. I mean, you don't really, because there's a lot of material in the Bible. But um, I feel like I'm running out. And so I want to just give you a recap of, can we turn me down a little bit? Because when I get excited, I'm going to pierce people's ears and not their hearts with the word. Okay? A little more. That's still too loud. Still too loud. Sounding good. A little less. A little less. Bring me down. Bring me down. Bring me down. Let's land the plane. Okay, here we go. So last week we talked about... Um, uh, that we talked about unanswered prayer, and I'm going to talk about unanswered prayer this week as well, and the role that faith has in it. But last week we talked about the role that trusting God has in unanswered prayer, and we talked about when we move towards Jesus, who was our teacher. He takes us into his classroom because every teacher has a classroom, which is our secret place, our closet. That he, as we are taught about prayer, we don't have to worry about the things that um, the Bible talks about. When it comes to unanswered prayer, and some of this, and so the the thing that we talked about was as we spend time with God and we encounter the Father's heart, He will teach us what to pray. The Holy Spirit will teach us what to pray. We will learn to pray in the name of Jesus. We will learn how to persevere and pray and pray persistence. We will learn what our what our passions are and what His are, so that we pray His passions. And so that's just a few things. But the Holy Spirit will lead us. And so it's not like, oh man, I need to know what words to say. The Father already knows what you need. The Father already knows you know, what your heart is. And he, he promises to give it to you. I mean, he promises to give it to you. Um, and, and so I said that as we abide in Christ and we allow him to be our teacher, he takes us into the Father's presence. And that's where we learn to pray. If we, and then we said, if we don't, and, but one of the things that happens with trust is that if we don't give God, if we don't give all of ourselves to God, we won't trust that he is giving all of his blessings to us. And that was the marble, the little marble illustration. And so when we believe that God is holding back from us and not answering our prayers, it is often because we don't trust him. And we, again, we talked about that. If you didn't see or hear that talk, I would encourage you because all these talks build on each other. And again, today I'm going to talk about faith. What role does faith play in our prayers being answered, okay? And so here's a Webster Dictionary, which I thought was pretty cool because it's kind of spiritual. It says this. Do we have that? No, no. That was the last one. I just said that. Okay, I'll say it. Faith, here we go. Nope. Okay, here we go. What, What role does faith play? This is the definition of faith in Webster's Dictionary. Confidence or trust in a person or thing. Confidence or trust in a person or thing. Belief and trust in and loyalty to God. Okay, so faith is this. Faith is applying what you believe. Because when you have faith in something, you live in a certain way. And so it looks like it, you apply your faith. As if you trust God, if you say you trust God... And you say you have faith, what, what that means is, in my life, I'm going to apply what I believe, okay? Um, 
And so I just talked about that. Faith is what we put our trust in. Faith is applying what we believe. Now, this is the biblical definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is the most famous one. There's a million things on faith. I've got to slow down. Going really fast now. <sighs> now, faith. <laughs> now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the unseen, and the conviction of things not seen. Okay, and there's, you're going to see this correlation between the seen world or the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And that one is about, you know, having faith and moving and making decisions based on the world and what you see, and the other is making decisions on what is unseen, hoping for what you don't see, with the conviction, the assurance that it will happen even though you don't see it, okay? Here's another verse. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, and this is Paul. So he says this. This is him teaching us not to lose heart. So we don't lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory behind, beyond all comparison as we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so Paul is saying, Paul is saying, again, as you look at my Father's kingdom versus the worldly kingdom, one is transient, one is eternal. One is going to lead you to God and trusting God and having faith in God and applying faith to your life. The other one will, I mean, we have, everyone has faith in something. And if it's in the world, you will apply that faith and you will live according to the world's standards. You will find your hope and your trust in the Lord, your assurance and protection for your family. You will exercise always what you believe, what you truly believe. And then Paul contrasts. Paul contrasts the things which are seen and those that are not. He is not contrasting the things which are visible with those that are inherently invisible. Okay, so I'm not going to explain that. Okay, I will explain that. He is not contrasting only the things that are visible, what we see in the world, and the things that are inherently invisible, what we, see with, what we, what we hope for that is unseen. That's not the only thing that he's doing. This is, this is awesome. I read that, and I was like, that's, that's wrong. Paul's wrong. But it is rather a contrast between what is now visible and what is not yet visible. And so it's like this promise, right, that he's contrasting. He's saying, don't make your decisions based on what you see now. Yes, in the world, but, but, but trust and, and apply your faith based on my son coming back, renewing and redeeming and making things all things right. Faith, your face on that, faith on that. Apply what you believe in a way that demonstrates you believe that Christ is coming back. And Paul says, this momentary light affliction. He went through major persecution, but he compared it. He compared the unseen, what was coming, to his affliction of being put in prison, persecuted, beaten, all these things. He just saw them as a light, temporary thing. Because he was basing his faith and his hope on what was to come. And so this is what Paul's teaching us in this. Keep our eyes, there's three things, and they're right here. Keep our eyes 
focused not on the things we are experiencing now in the world, okay? Let's not focus on those things. Let's not have our faith being focused on those things. And again, those are things like our job bringing us security, money bringing us security. When we think about our children, them being in the right college, or them even going, or like, this is the way, this is the path, so I'm going to do these things because I know it will lead to this. Not that college is bad or school is bad, but if that is our hope, if that is where we're placing our hope, we will apply our faith in a way and tell them, you need to do this so you're grounded and you can do this. Okay, so that's every area of our life. Every area of our life. That's just an example. But every area of our life where we're living in a way that we, are, we think the world is going to take care of us if we have X, Y, and Z. Does what we see in the world or ourselves shape our prayers? If so, we should expect God to not answer them. It is only when our eyes are on Jesus that we will know how to pray and know what to pray. Only when our eyes are on Jesus will our faith be such that our prayers will have power and that our prayers will be answered. God is not going to answer your prayers. God is not going to bless you if you are basing your life and building your life on the kingdom of the world. He loves you too much. He loves you too much to bless you and give you something that will affirm a heart that is not set on him. Now, here's a, here's a great picture of this. This is like on Netflix. It's the Bible story. And if you don't like reading the Bible, you should watch this. Not that you don't like reading the Bible, but if you like listening to the Bible, this is a step up. And so in my car, when I'm driving, I just got the Bible going, and I'm just like, here, I'm not texting, I'm just watching TV, watching the Bible story, all right? So if you see my bus, you know, Peggy Sue coming down the road, you see to stay clear, all right? Now, I tried it on my motorcycle, and it's much more dangerous. Okay, so this is the scripture. And Peter, and this is, a, this is very famous, whenever Jesus is walking on the water and, and, and the, the disciples see him, they're terrified, and Jesus says, apply your faith, come to me, Peter, and trust me, okay? And so he got on the water, and then his eyes are taken off Jesus, and he begins to sink. So this is the, this is the video. Why did he walk away just when we're getting strong? Surely a messiah wouldn't leave us like this. A messiah should be a, a warrior, a conqueror like David. Judas, force is not the way. So tell me what the way of messiah is. He's different. But Mary, what if he's not the one? We're risking our lives. For what? He has shown us his power. We must have faith in him. Come on. He'll not fail us. He said he'd meet us on the other side. Let's go!
gets out of the boat, right? His eyes are fixed on Jesus. I mean, he is tuned in. You saw him walk from the back of the boat to the front of the boat, right? His eyes are like laser beam locked in on Jesus. He's not looking at the disciples. He's not looking at the boat. He's not looking at the wind, not the rain, not looking at the lightning, right? He is locked on Jesus, okay? He's fixed on him. And what's the result of that? He applies his faith. He applies. He, earlier, he says, you're the Messiah, you're the Messiah. So that's what he says he believes. And then he applies his faith and he wa- and Jesus has come to me and he says, okay, I will come to you. I can come to you because I believe that you're the Messiah. And so he applies his faith and he begins to walk on the water. And then what does he do? He takes his eyes off Jesus to the scene. What is seen? He takes his faith that is based on what is unseen, that, is, that Jesus is believing that Jesus is the Messiah. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. He hasn't been resurrected yet. Why would Peter believe that? Why would he have hope in that? Why would he think that he can walk on water? He's applying a faith in the unseen. But then he takes his eyes off Jesus. He sees lightning. And what happens? He falls into the water. He falls into the water because he begins to apply what is his faith in what is seen, what he believes. And the result is that he begins to sink, and Jesus, with compassion and with love for Peter, reaches down, even though he messed up, even though he took his eyes off Jesus, Jesus still loves him, reaches down, and pulls him out of the water. And so when our eyes are on Jesus, here's another slide, when our eyes are on Jesus, we have faith in Jesus. And we're humble because we know that we need Jesus. It's fueled, though, by relationship with Jesus, allowing him to be our teacher. This is what allows us to trust him, believe in him, and leads to prayers reflecting 
what is unseen. That's not seen. What is unseen, okay? Now, here's the alternative to that. When our eyes fall off Jesus, we begin to demonstrate we have faith in ourselves or faith in the world, fueled by our trust in the world or our own ability or things that are seen. This is what causes us to sink, like Peter, into the worries and the anxieties of the world. This will lead to stress of life that will make us feel like we are drowning and overwhelmed and will lead to prayers that are focused on the scene. And God, in his grace and his mercy, will not allow us to die because he loves us, but he will allow us to suffer the consequences of not being focused on him and teaching us the lesson. This is what will happen when you take your eyes off me. When you apply and live by the faith of the world, you're going to sink. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to have worry. And we've all experienced that reality. And so what allows us to have faith in the unseen? I mean, isn't that the question that we all ask? How do I grow in my faith? That's really the question that you want me to answer today, right? Because we all feel like, man, I'm not moving any mountains, or I'm praying for things that aren't getting healed, or whatever. So we know that faith leads to these things being done. That's what Scripture teaches us. Okay, what about this? When someone says, I have faith in you, what do they mean? Why do you believe that? And now, if your grandparent or your parents say this to you, you got to discount it. Because that don't mean nothing. Because they're just saying, I mean, it could not be true. They might not have faith in you, but they want you to know or think that they have faith in you so they don't, like, wound you and you end up getting prayer ministry for, like, the Father's love thing, okay? I think this is what it means. They think whenever someone tells you, I have faith in you, what they're saying is, I think you can do this. I think you're able to do this. They believe this, though, because they know you. They've seen you perform and practice in a way that demonstrates that you are truly capable of accomplishing what you have to do. So when someone says, I have faith in you, it's based on relationship with you, them knowing who you are and what you're capable of. And isn't this how God wants us to pray? I have faith in you, Father. I know you, and I know what you'll do. But it only happens if we know him and believe he will always answer our prayers. Our prayers are grounded in our relationship with him, our knowing him and knowing that he hears us and will answer us. Faith is saying to God, I believe you can do this. And even though I don't understand or see how this will turn out, I have faith that you can do this and that you will do this. Hoping and what is not seen. Having assurance that it will happen. Someone in RCC said this. If we use the thought that prayer is a conversation with God then I wonder if there is such a thing as unanswered prayer. He's so into our relationship with him. That seems to be foremost in Jesus' mind, making sure we get connected in a way that he came here to give us. Faith finds its root in relationship with God. I know, we're back to abiding again. 
Yeah, we're back to abiding again. Because that's the foundation of trust, that's the foundation of faith, and that's the foundation of persisting and persevering in prayer because of God, who God is and of us experiencing him. When we are thriving, in a thriving relationship with God, when we're getting life from God, we're encountering God, we find our faith coming easy, growing and trusting that, he is, uh, that his ways are best for us. Trusting that his will will be done in and through us. We trust that God is hearing our prayers, knows what we need, and will deliver on his promise to give us what we seek and what we need and what we ask for. The issue is not that we don't pray correctly, but that our faith, but that our faith is lacking or is in the wrong thing. It's not that we don't pray correctly. It's that our faith, the way we're applying our faith, is in the wrong thing, and the result is unanswered prayers. When our faith is lacking, we pray with little expectation that God will answer us, and we place our faith in what will give us life and that's something other than God. This happens because we do not have a relationship with God where we have experienced him coming through us. Now, I have, a, I have an illustration. Oh, yeah. Get ready. I haven't done one of these in a while, right? Let's get better. It gets better. Oh, yeah. It's the big honking ladder right here, folks. Right? Whoa! Now, Jacob Finn, you're going to be God. Come here. Now, I need you to climb to the top of the ladder. Okay? He's God. Easy. Just get your head over the top. I don't want you to tipple, tipple top. Okay, now, now most of us think this is what relationship with God is like. God's on that ladder, ladder, right? And we're on this ladder. Is this relationship with God? And some of you are thinking, no, that's what an unbeliever is like. You're not on the ladder. No, as a believer, you're on a ladder, but you're not close to God. And you see, God is distant. God is separate. He really doesn't care about me. He doesn't know what's happening in my life. And this is what we feel like. Now, if you're a non-believer, you're not on any ladder. You're like hugging to the pole, right? You're hugging to something. You're hanging on to the world, but you're not in a ladder. Just faith in God. Now, come back down. Easy. Easy. First rung right there. First rung. First rung. Now, this is what God does. This is how God, this is what abiding looks like. And when we abide, it leads to trust, and trust leads to faith, us applying what we believe, but it doesn't happen if we don't know who God is and we don't trust him as a loving father. And so God says, Antley, come to me. And so we, we're right here, right? And we're, we're talking in relationship. And now I'm abiding. God is apart from me, yeah? And so I'm applying that in a way that is powerful and that is, that is applying what I believe, but God wants more with, for us, right? So what does he do? He goes up two steps. Is this, I gotta go up high. He goes up two steps and he says, Antley, Antley, come and trust me. Come and abide with me. I wanna draw you closer so that you believe more in me and I want you to apply your faith in the world. And so he calls to me and I have two choices. I can stay down here and not apply my faith, begin to look to the world, begin to do this, I'm gonna dab in the world and get on the fence, right? Or, oh my goodness, if we fall over, you gotta jump. Okay, I'm going to jump there, you jump there, and you catch the ladder. Okay, now, 
We're, now, what's, what's happened between me and God? What's happened? We're closer, aren't we? As we abide more and more, we apply our faith. God calls us, believe in me, experience more of me. What happens? Well, the first thing that happens is that I'm closer to God. I see his beauty more. I see his glory more. I trust him more, right? Yes. And so abiding down there, we're a little more distant from God when we become a new believer. But as God calls us up, if we're obedient and we have faith in him, we can walk on water. And he calls us up and we're like, oh yeah, look at how close I am now. And so unanswered prayers in my life are answered and I begin to understand more of his heart and more of his will, okay? And so we go higher, go up. One more. Oh yeah, I'm staying on the sides. I don't think this side's meant to hold anyone that weighs 120 pounds. Hey, God, what's up? All right, all right. And so now, look how close we are. We're like close, close. We're in relationship. Thank you, Father. We are close, right? We are so close. And in this relationship, whenever my prayers aren't answered, we're going to sort it out. We're going to sort it out in relationship. We're going to sort it out in the friendship we have. And we, we, he knows me, and I'm vulnerable and open to him, and I know him. I know his heart. I know his will. He teaches me to pray. He teaches me to come to him. And I believe more in him now because I'm close to him now. Much, I, was, I was close to him down there, but I wasn't this close. And the result is, is my faith increases. I apply what I believe because of the relationship I have with God the Father. That's how abiding works. That's the importance of abiding in Jesus. Don't be... (laughs) Oh, yeah, Instagram that. At River City Church. Awesome Pastor Antley Fowler and the Father. Okay, let's get down slowly. Slowly down. I'm first. Look at me standing on the edges. See that? I practiced... Young grasshopper. Okay, now you're going to have to move the ladder back. That's heavy. You got it? Yeah, I got it. He's a football player. He's got it. I got this one. Don't worry, Jacob. Okay. Our unanswered prayers... You're welcome. You're welcome. You don't have to clap for me, though. God spoke to me about that. He showed me a picture of a ladder. I'm like, what, what? I started thinking about it. He just spoke to me about that. I think it's a great picture of abiding, what it looks like in different stages. Our unanswered prayers, it's a great line for you to remember, are answered in relationship with him. Unanswered prayers are not answered by him answering us and giving us what we want and what we need, Unanswered prayers are answered in intimacy, in relationship, as we encounter the Father's love for us. And the prayers and what we ask for becomes less because of our love for the Father. Okay. So how do we grow in our faith? There's four things, I think, that we can do to grow in our faith. First, obviously, is the latter, abiding with God, growing with God. How do you grow in your faith? How do you get higher on the ladder? By spending more time with him. 
going to the secret place, Jesus' classroom, asking him to teach you and allowing him to lead you up the ladder to experience more of the Father's love. That's the foundation for faith, trust, persistence, all of that, okay? Learning to hear God's voice leads to obeying him. This is faith, applying our faith. As your relationship with God grows, so will your trust in him. As you learn to trust God more and more, you will learn to hear his voice more and more, and you will be able to believe in the unseen and pray in a way that reflects his heart. And this will lead to greater faith. The second thing is testimonies. That's why we do testimonies. You hear testimony, and what happens? You hear, you know, you hear these testimonies, and you're like, that's not happened in my life. Because of that testimony, though, I believe that it can. I want to start applying my faith like that person does. I want to apply my, what I believe like that person does. So even though it hasn't happened to us, testimonies encourage us, don't they, to behave and to believe in a way that is consistent with God's promises. Our faith comes from seeing God accomplish in us or in the work of others. This creates in us, I made this up, this is the only word, bank, a bank of belief, a bank of belief that grows in us and allows us to have faith that God will do what he says we will do. Okay, and then the, last, the third one is, John Wimber said this, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. As we step out and demonstrate we trust God to show up, God will reward us and increase our faith. And one of the sayings that I've said ever since the beginning of the church is, live in a way that God, if, if God doesn't show up, you're in big trouble. I would, I would also say this, pray in a way that if God doesn't show up, we're in big trouble. That's faith. That's hoping in what is unseen and applying it in a way that we have assurance and hope in the Father. Now, this is a cool example. You might think, like, I never do this. But every time you come up for prayer and prayer ministry, that's what you're doing. You don't see God or the Holy Spirit moving up here. You, in faith, come forward to receive God's blessing, to receive God's power, to receive God's forgiveness. And that's you applying your faith every time you come forward. In the same way, in the same, and that's you risking because it's awkward. And how many of you were in our church for like a week, two weeks, a month, two months? You never came forward. And then one day, you came forward. You risked and came forward, and God showed up. The same is true for prayer ministers. Every one of our prayer ministers, not, they don't come and pray for you what's on their mind. They're like, God, speak to me so that I can encourage them. We're ministering to people through the power of the Spirit. We're saying, God, speak to me. Dude, back in the day, if we told people God spoke to us, you're in the same asylum. God speaks to me. No, every time you come forward as a prayer minister and you say, and you ask for the Holy Spirit to come up, you are demonstrating and applying what you believe that is unseen, that he will speak to you to encourage other people. The fourth thing is this. Pray, pray, pray for the things that only God can do. Journal them. Look back on them and see that he has answered them. Keep praying for the ones that are unanswered. That's like practical. You know, I've been talking a lot about George Mueller and his prayer life, and it says that he began to pray for five unsaved people, and nothing happened for a while. And then within the first few years, three people came to faith. 
And he, began, and he, he prayed for him every day. He prayed for him to be saved. Every day he prayed for him to be saved. And, he, and for, after a few years, three of them were saved. Every day. I mean, that's a lot in itself, praying for someone for a few years, right? And he continued to pray. He continued to pray. And for 15 years, he prayed for these two. And then he died, praying for them every day. And both of them came to faith afterwards. That's applying our faith, believing in the unseen, knowing that God wants to answer us and he gives us what we desire. Next week, Tom's talking on perseverance, that very thing I just spoke of, being another way that our unanswered prayers, you know, and how faith, or not how faith, but how persistence interacts with our unanswered prayers. Why don't we stand?